turn to 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, the fourth chapter. 1 John chapter 4. It's good to see the Parsons family back with us. We've been praying for you. Good to see Corey and Ruth back with us and your family. We've been praying for you as well and your loss. We sorrow, but we sorrow not as those which have no hope. We're in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, speak to our hearts this evening, and we pray. Uh, We are thankful for your word and that we have truth on which to stand. And I pray that we would embrace the truth and we would understand that it is truth. And we would not cower in a world that, as Pilate says, what is is truth. We know it. We have it. And may we embrace it, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I was talking to the senior saints yesterday before their or after their luncheon. And I said this, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I came to Lighthouse, uh, the most off question I asked was asked from people started out like this. Pastor, what does the Bible say about, and then you fill in the blank, what does the Bible say about creation? What does the Bible say about salvation? What does the Bible say about the rapture and the tribulation period? What does the Bible say? That was my off, when people would ask me a question, that was a question from church people that was asked most frequently. So here we are 25 years later. Here's the question I am asked most now by church people, people in the congregation. Pastor, I know the Bible seems to say this, but it just seems like this. My first question back to them is always this. Who are you listening to? Because you did not get that from the Bible. And they're getting it from YouTube, the Internet. The preacher, people scour the Internet looking for truth. The Internet is not the pillar and ground of truth. Churches. Uh, God's Word is truth. YouTube is not truth. Now, God didn't say in the Bible, go to YouTube to get your doctrine. He didn't say, go to... Go to uh, uh, a search engine or watch a video from some guy online. You don't know anything about him. You don't know his salvation testimony. You don't know how he conducts himself. You don't know if he's faithful to church. Uh, he could be a member of a cult. He might be a God denier, God hater. Uh, but you're listening to him and you're getting your truth from that. That's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, absolutely dangerous. <clears throat> and when, when you go to court and testify, and you go to court today or tomorrow, uh, court's no night court in Fairfax. 
Uh, judges like to sleep at night. You can go to court tomorrow morning, and if you are called to testify, the judge would say, please raise your face to clerk, raise your right hand, and be sworn. You firm to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth under penalty of law. And uh, you, nothing but the truth uh, is what we should be embracing as, as Christians. Now, our Wednesday night crowd, do you believe that? Okay. I don't see anybody saying more or less. You know, nobody's kind of doing this. Everybody going, yeah, yeah, we, we believe that. Now then look at verse 11, because verse 11 is, the, it, it's going to be the, the context of the message this evening. Verse 11, chapter 4 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, did God love you? God's, God paid penalty. Jesus Christ paid the penalty on Calvary's cross. People say, I, I, don't, I don't think God loves me. And, and my question back to them, man, what, what does it take to impress you? Uh, he, he died for you so that you could have eternal life. And so we, do, we, know, we know that. If God so loved us, and he did, what more does he need to do to prove of his love for us? Uh, nothing. He doesn't need to do anything else. He gave his life. Okay, so the answer is yes. He, he did. Uh, we ought also to love one another. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you love one another? Uh, God. God is pure. God is holy. Uh, God is sinless. And He loved us even though we were strengthless, we were hopeless, we were ungodly, we were wicked, but He loved us. And He has set the bar when it comes to showing us how we ought to love others. Well, Pastor, I, I would love them, but uh, we, and we put a disclaimer in there. I know what the Bible says, uh, kind of, you know, what it seems to say, but this guy over here is telling me something different. Uh, just look to your Bible, get your, get your doctrine. We ought to love one another. Uh, why? We, sh- we ought to love others like we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, because we have. Our love for one another is a reflection of God's love for us. Again, the first message that Christ preached, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitude, he, he told us, let your light so shine before men that they may see you're different. Let me see that. And it should be in every walk of life. Tuesday was election day. I, I went to vote. <clears throat> and there were five people in front of me. And the staff, was they were doing, they were doing a good job processing people through. And I greeted the first lady. Uh, she, she took my life. Said, Thank you very much for serving, serving us today. We appreciate your service. And I went to the second lady. And she's got this big, long ballot, two sides. And she said, this is a ballot. The ballot has two sides. That means the ballot has things you want to vote on on the front side and things that you want to vote on on the back side. And I'm thinking, now I know why there were five people in line. <laughs> because she'd given all these instructions. She said, now, under each category, there are some instructions. She said, notice here in the first box, it says vote for one. She says, that does not mean vote for two. And if you vote 
For two, your ballot will be discarded. So vote for one. She said, now, there are other boxes where you vote in different areas. She said, for this, this one. She said, this one down here says, vote for three, up to three. If you vote for four, your ballot would be discarded. So look underneath each heading and follow the instruction. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I got, I got things to just give me the, the ballot, would you please? And she said, now, if, you're, if you get back there, and she said, if you get confused, we're going to give you a ballot with the instructions on it. Well, duh, you're showing me the ballot you're, you know, you're going to hand me, and I can probably figure out that you're pointing to the instructions that are on it. And so, so what do you do? I just looked at her and said, because I have Lighthouse Baptist Church, you know, I'm uh, fly, flying the flag. I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I have been married for 39 years. I said, you don't get the 39 years of marriage without knowing how to follow instructions. And she said, Oh, I like that. I like that. And, uh, and on our way, we went. Uh, it, it just, just opportunity, those little inconveniences to say, I, I'm different. I, I know Christ. Uh, to show a little humor and laugh a little bit. Uh, if you're miserable, why would I want to be like you? Or, or embrace the, the gospel that you claim is going to change my life. Because if it changes me into being a miserable old man or a miserable old woman, why would I want to be miserable? I'm miserable as I am right now, but I, I think you're more miserable than I am. There's a lot of fighting going on. Verse 12, our love for one another should be exemplified. No man has seen God at any time. They, the world, the guy at the voting booth, the guy at the 7-Eleven, he has not seen God, but he sees you. Is he seeing a God that loves him, that's made a difference in life? No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us, and people are going to see that. Verse 13 gives a statement of assurance. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of His Spirit. Do you have the Spirit of God? One of those spirits is Galatians chapter 5. A love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and not misery, anguish, woe, complaining, fearful. That's not in that fruits of the Spirit. If you're dwelling in the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith. Uh, those things are in that list. Do you exemplify that? <clears throat> Again, the world's a messed up place. I, I get that. <clears throat> There's a lot, of, a lot of heartache out there. I get that. I talked to a, a fellow today. I just really, he's really bummed about uh, how the election went yesterday. He said, man, the world's getting worse and worse. But we should shine brighter and brighter. Uh, we should. <clears throat> uh, it... In this, in, in these epistles, we have John, we have Peter, uh, that which we have looked upon, that which we have seen, that which our hands have handled of the word of life. These were a group of guys that walked with Christ. They were close enough to touch Him. And it impacted their lives. 
But they for, sometimes they forgot along the way that they were under attack. Peter, Christ said to him, Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. What did Peter say? Oh, not me. No, no, I would never do that. Oh, no, if I, if I go to the grave, if, if I had to go to the cross, I'll never. Uh, hours later, he's denying the Lord once, twice, three times, using profanity to try to uh, convince the crowd that he's not one of those Christian people. Uh, he, he's one of those heathen, just like them. Uh, what, what should he have done? He should have paid attention and said, really? I'm capable of that? And you are. I need your help. Would you, would you help me? What, what can I do to avoid that? But many times we're like Peter in denial that we are even capable of doing such a thing. And, the, and, the, and as such, we do not get the help that we need. Uh, John saw Christ in the flesh. Peter saw Christ in the flesh. They, they listened to him. They saw him do miracles that no man could do except God be with him. As Nicodemus said. <clears throat> but the problem is our, in our churches today, in our demeanor today, in our fear today, is that we haven't, we haven't seen Jesus. Because if you'd seen Christ, you would know that this world is not my home. I'm just, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up. Uh, somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We are not in the presence of God on a regular basis. Again, Sunday night, we looked at uh, how were the children of Israel successful in defeating Jericho? Uh, before they went to Jericho, they sanctified themselves. And why were they defeated at Ai? You say, well, they were defeated at Ai because of Achan's sin. Well, that's true, but ultimately, they were defeated at Ai because they didn't deal with Achan's sin. And the reason they didn't deal with Achan's sin is because they didn't go to the Lord and sanctify themselves before they went to Ai and say, God, what would you have me to do? You see that in the chapter preceding Jericho, but you do not see that at all in their dealings with Ai. And the question Sunday night was this. We can give Joshua and the people a hard time for seeing a simple task, AI, and thinking we can do this on our own. We don't need God. You say, well, that was a miserable failure. Yes, it was. Absolutely. But again, the question, how many days of the week do you get up and say, uh, it's my day off. I don't need God today. I'm going for Krispy Kreme coffee. I mean... I don't need God for that. I know what my favorite donuts are. And we don't engage God's help for that day. And then we wonder at the end of the day why we've made such a mess of things. It's just sad. Have you seen a miracle? Has God done anything for you? Do you have anything to testify about? Uh, certainly you should be able to test about your salvation, but what, have you had an answer to prayer? Is God doing things in your life? Have you seen God working? Are you looking for God to work? Are you able to testify that? It is a oft-repeated truth that the world should be able to see Christ in you. The question is, do they? It is a certain truth. Salvation is a certainty. 
Uh, sometimes I may not feel saved. Uh, sometimes uh, hope may be may escape me. Uh, there are times when my heart is heavy. But I have confidence in God's Word. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Christ saved me. All are included. The rich, the poor, the wise, the unwise, the bond, the free. But we have to come to Christ. Confess that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the living God. How, how could it be more simple? Well, you look at the cults, and there are lots of them today. They don't embrace that. Uh, we have faith, and we pray knowing that God answers prayer. Turn with me back to Second Peter. A very familiar passage. We, we read this, Second Peter chapter two, chapter three. <clears throat> Verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the day of the Lord will come as a thief. But it shouldn't come as a thief to you. What is, Paul, what is Peter doing in this third chapter? Look at verse 1. I stir up your pure minds. Verse 2, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, of us the apostles, of our Lord and Savior. Verse 3, knowing, knowing. Don't, don't be surprised. When unsaved, corrupt, ungodly, God-haters hate God. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. So we are uh, in Virginia. Uh, we have the, 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 distinct, the distinction of being the first southern state that has elected a transgender a guy that says he's a girl and dresses like one and, and, and does his best to look like one. That's, that's not progressive. That's craziness. But that shouldn't surprise you. you shake your head. But knowing, knowing this first, uh, there shall come the last day scoffer, walking after their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep. Uh, verse 5, this, they are willingly ignorant, but we should not be. Uh, this should not take us by surprise. We should admonish people as Christ admonished them in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give thee rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What would the world say? I'm not, I'm not going to take God's yoke. I don't want God telling me what to do. And the, and the world lives with that mandate and that mantra. But we should not. We should embrace God's truth. Uh, I don't want God's yoke. It's not for me. Everybody is under a yoke. You're either under a, a yoke of someone who loves you, or you're on the, under the yoke of someone who wants to destroy you. 
You're going to take God's yoke, which is easy, or you're going to take it, exchange that for the devil's yoke, which is a yoke of iron, and it, it, it never gets easy. It never gets softer. It never gets easier to bear. never does. What kind of yoke are you under? Our conduct is a repeated truth. Our salvation is a certain truth, and it ought to make a difference. Uh, it is also solid. Look at verse 16. Go back to First uh, John chapter 4, verse 16. <clears throat> and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and He, are you? And He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. Is that true? Uh, again, this truth that our life ought to be different, and men should see that, is repeated in verse 11, verse 12, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, verse 16. Repetition is the key to knowledge. God wasn't running short of things to say. And said, I'm going to repeat this a bunch of times uh, to, uh, just to fill up the text, to give something, John, something to write. Uh, he repeated it because we're a little slow sometimes. God wants, us to, God wants people to see him, and he has a, no man has seen God at any time, but... Through you, can they see Jesus in you? God did not repeat it to write it. God repeated it because he knew that we, like Peter, have thick skulls. <laughs> and it's got to be repeated. Like that gal at the election thing. There we have a bell. There's a front side and a back side. Over and over and over again. And she's repeating it. Why? Because she is accustomed to dealing with men, and men have thick skulls. And she knows that, and so she's going to go in great detail repeating all those instructions. <clears throat> Are you listening? As God repeats it over and over and over again, to say, I got it. I have a problem with getting in the flesh. I have a problem in the way I drive. I have a problem... Uh, with uh, beeping my horn. I have a problem uh, with yelling things. I have a problem and getting frustrated with people when they annoy me. Can you reflect God's love so that they see Jesus in you? So that when they walk away, they can say, <laughs> you know, that preacher that came through, he looks a lot like my ex-husband, number four. And I did my absolute best to irritate him. I couldn't do it. I frustrate them by showing them uh, God's love. In your trials, in your, dark, in your dark hours, in the perplexities of life. I was sharing with someone just recently. about uh, Ezra, they, they asked about Ezra. And uh, I, I share with them what he's kind of going through. And I just said, uh, that little guy, he's got the best. He's got the best disposition. Uh, he's, just a, he's just a lot of fun to work with. And this is, this is their response to me. They said, I'm so sorry for you. And I said, man, don't feel sorry for me. And don't feel sorry for him. He's, he's going to show God's love. He, he's going to fi find out that God loves him and accept Christ as his Savior. And through his attitude and disposition, people are going to say, you know, I understand what somebody with, uh, that, that's perfect, has a perfect life, would 
follow Christ. But you? Why? Why would you do that? You've lost a child. Why would you do that? God took your, your husband. Why, why would you follow him? God took your, your, your wife. Why, why, why would you give him the time of day? And for you to be able to say, let me point you to Jesus Christ with certainty and assurance that God's peace can bring, and only God's peace can bring. Lean on Christ. And if you'll do that, then you'll have the ability to face those trials, tribulations, endure the hardship, to dare anything. Bring it out. Bring it out. Because in God's power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in walking with Him, in meeting Him first thing in the morning, and going back for refueling all day long, I, I have all the power that I need to face any hardship of life. Bring it on. Bring it on. <clears throat> Imagine for just a moment that gasoline was $15 a gallon, but you had the ability, because you were the son or daughter of the oil uh, industry, that you could go to any gas station at any time and get as much fuel as you wanted. And I think I'd go from station to station just to be able to stand at the pump and say, how much are you paying? 15, 30, 50 bucks a gallon? <laughs> I get mine for free because well, I'm, a, I'm a child of the oil industry. <laughs> That's the guy that owns this gas. That's my dad. Yet we have the ability to do that in prayer and go to the Lord free. Anytime we want, as much as we want, stop at any station we want, and any time in life that we want, and get filled up, fueled up, energy energized. And it, we run on empty. It's always neat uh, in, uh, in police work to <clears throat> come up somebody in traffic and they are stopped. And they said, uh, the car just stopped. BMW, Jaguar, Maserati. And you look inside. And they, I don't know why I stopped. Well, we got a record for you. Come here, you're blocking traffic. Uh, that gauge, it's on E. And I, and I would see that. And I would say to the person, I said, you, you really need to get an American-made car? And they'd look at me like, American-made car? I said, yeah, American-made car, we have, we have fuel gauges in there. They're really neat devices. And you, you can put it all the way on full. And when it's on full, you don't break down. I said, but you got one of these foreign cars. They, they, they haven't figured out how to put one of those gauges in there yet. And so you just kind of uh, hope that you got enough energy to run through the day. And they'd look at me like, oh, no, it's got a gas gauge in there. Well, duh, it's on empty. Oh, what kind of an ignoramus are you? But here we are as Christians. There's just some sick thrill about running close to empty. It should not be that way. First thing, number one, you need to know God. You need to know God and, and be convinced of God's love right here in your heart. Not just up here, 
Again, we're Christians. It's Wednesday night. If I were to put out a questionnaire, are you convinced that God loves you? You'd say yes. Are you convinced that God is love? You'd say yes. But down in our heart of hearts, many times we doubt that. Let God's love, this repeated Bible truth of 1 John chapter 4, not just fill your life, but empower you to live life. If, if you don't, uh, Satan's going to fill that. Satan's looking for an empty tank, and he's going to fill it with something. When a loved one passes away, I sit down with the family, and I say, uh, uh, husband or wife or children, and I say, listen, this person has been your life, and now there is a void. They're not there anymore, and you're going to fill it up with things of God, things of right, things of truth, or I'll tell you, Satan's going to fill it up. And he's going to fill it up with corruption. He's going to fill it up with lust. He's going to fill it up with passion, envy, strife, hatred, depression. Christian, you best keep your tank full. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for First John, just common sense reminder that you are love. But the world can't see you. But they can see me. And may we... The Wednesday night crowd, the Bible searchers for truth, not just embrace the concept, but embrace the truth that you are love and that the world needs to see that love in us. May it be manifested. May they see it and may they desire to know our Heavenly Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.